morning church. I want to tell you about my briefly about my first year in ministry. My first year in ministry over 40 years ago was in Clinton, Oklahoma, western Oklahoma. And the preacher there was Ron Fletcher. Ron gave me several opportunities that first year. I call them traumatic experiences. I think I've told you before, back then many churches used to, on Wednesday nights, they'd have class and then they'd all meet in the auditorium for maybe a 10-15 minute devotional and he grabbed me that first Wednesday I was there and he said, hey, you've got to talk tonight. And I stumbled through something. Um, The second week he grabbed me again. The third week I was ready. And from then on he uh, allowed me, encouraged me to preach once a month. And I appreciated that opportunity. And he said, hey, this next Sunday you're leading singing. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I remember one Sunday I led, um, it's always been one of my favorite songs. I've always appreciated the words and the melody. My God and I go through the fields together. And I, I, I struggled. I couldn't find my pitch. I suffered the congregation through all the verses, and I, I did not do well. And I sat down, and Ron got up, and he said, Man, Richie butchered that song. <laughs> and I did, and that didn't bother me. And he said, We're going to lead it again the way it's supposed to be led. And Ron, Ron had a great voice, and I appreciated him doing that. But again, for the record, that didn't hurt my feelings, but I've always appreciated that song, My God and I Go in the Field Together. We walk and talk as good friends shouldn't do. We clasp our hands, our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadow's hue. I don't know what you think about those words. Those words may bother you. Those words you may think, yeah, that's not how I picture God, but... um, I grew up and we sang that song all the time and I appreciated that song and that song is kind of going to illustrate the sermon today. uh, We're in a series called Gifted and we're looking at a study of the Holy Spirit and we need another Sunday to lay some foundation and do some groundwork and we're looking at the person of the Holy Spirit before we can even talk about the power of the Holy Spirit because we need to know who the Holy Spirit is before we can talk about what He does. And our foundational verse that we've been using is Acts 2.38. Peter replied to the entire crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I've mentioned numerous times that when I grew up, that's where we stopped, quoting that verse. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. We certainly didn't talk about the gift of the Holy Ghost. It whatever He is. But that verse very, very clearly says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at that gift. What, what is that gift? Who is that gift? What does that gift enable us to do? Because I want you to know, and if you don't hear anything else today, I, I want you to know and hear that God wants to be in relationship with you. You may be thinking, no, not me. You may be thinking, I've messed up too many times. You may be thinking, Richie, you don't know me the way God probably knows me, but I want you to hear God wants to be in relationship with you. God's always wanted to, God has always wanted to dwell with you, 
And God has always wanted you to feel His presence. In fact, God has always pursued you. You may not feel that way, but from Genesis to the maps, God has always been in pursuit of His people. Maybe that's all you need to hear today, is that God longs to be with you and near you. Maybe you don't hear anything else today. I'm going to illustrate that today, but maybe you just need to hear that God wants to be with you and near you. God has, His desire has always been for you to know His presence. Let me give you a few scriptures just to kind of get us going. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now there may be days that you're thinking, I, I, don't, I don't feel that, I don't know that. Deuteronomy, the Lord your God um, said, the Lord your God will never leave you nor forsake you. you. You may feel like there's days, we're going to illustrate today. You may think like there's days, no, no, I'm not feeling that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Some days you may be thinking, yeah, I'm not feeling it. But I want you to know, God's desire has always been to pursue you and for you to know His presence. Now, we've been saying the Holy Spirit, as we've been laying this groundwork, the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And I've told you, don't ask me to explain that. It's a mystery. The three are one. There's a plurality. But the Holy Spirit is an extension of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you need to buckle up because we're going to go fast. All you have to do is go to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was there. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So God created the heavens and the earth. And He created the light and the sky and the stars and the lights and the fish and the birds and the living creatures. And then God said... Let us make man in... There it is. It's, it's not singular. In our image. In our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds and the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, then God rested. And then God... Um, we keep reading. We read in Genesis 2. I don't think I have this one up there. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And take care of it. And then man sinned. Man disobeyed. Man rebelled. And man has been hiding ever since. God continues to pursue us. And we continue to walk the other direction and hide. Notice what scripture says. In the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, I, I want you to notice this. In the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. As if you could hear him in the garden. As if you could feel his presence in the garden. My God and I go through the fields together. God is walking through the garden with his people and his people are hiding God is walking with creation and walking with his people and God says where are you before any human ever uttered the words to God God wh where are you God has been in pursuit saying no 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 where where are you 
you're the ones hiding. God is not the ones, one who is hiding. God's wanting to be close. God's wanting to be in relationship. God is wanting to walk with His people. And His people are hiding. God's creation continues to spiral out of control because of sin. God's people continue to spiral out of control because of sin. And yet God still pursues His people. Again, from Genesis to the maps, God has been pursuing you. Now, we flip just a few pages over and the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he's mortal. His days will be 120 years. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And God floods the earth. You can read about the great flood. God's trying to have a relationship with his people and his people are rebelling and disobedient and running the other direction. And God says, I, I regret that I created. And he floods you can continue to read and God's people continue to sin and continue to rebel. And yet you still find God pursuing His people. In Exodus 3, we've got Moses. And he's out in the desert and he sees this bush that is burning. And God cries out, Moses, Moses, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Jacob. I've indeed seen the misery of my people. I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard my people crying out. And I'm coming down to rescue my people because God's always been in pursuit of His people. And God always wants His people to feel His presence. So I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land. God... Hears the cries of his people. They've been in slavery over 400 years. And God moves in closer to be with his people. And God calls Moses. And God gifts Moses to be the leader. And God calls his people out. And he uses ten plagues. And he leads them out of Egypt. And the presence of God is right there. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them all their, on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire. They, they know God is there. They know God's, pres God's presence is visible. So they know God is right there leading them in the midst of their rebellion and in the midst of their sin. God leads them out of Egypt and leads His people with pillars of cloud and fire and He leads His people through the Red Sea and He leads them to the Promised Land and they know and visibly see His presence 24-7. God is so close you can almost touch Him. They know He's right there, just like He still does today. And then you read about the golden calf. Moses is up on Mount Sinai and God's giving him commandments and his people are down rebelling. And Moses is angry and he throws those tablets out of his hands and breaks them. And God is angry and he strikes those who sin with a plague. And even in the midst of the sin and the rebellion, he says, I'll send an angel before you. Not going to lie, I don't understand this verse. I'm going to send an angel before you, but I'm not going with you. I'm going to send my angel. So he's still there through an angel. I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. That's two weeks in a row we get that verse. Sounds like a good sermon. Because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. God's still leading His people. But the people always knew that God was there. Moses used to take a tent. 
and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went to the tent, God's presence would come down. The pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. So this tent of meeting is outside the camp, and they know when God shows up. Because God's presence comes down. They know when God's speaking to Moses. They are always seeing God's um, presence. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance, they all stood and worshipped. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. My God and I go through the fields together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. And The people see God's presence and see God there. They knew when God was speaking to Moses. They knew when God showed up because Moses had this tent of meeting. Stay with me. We're getting somewhere. I promise. Moses had this tent of meeting, this this mobile structure, as if to say this is where God dwells so that God would have a place to stay as if God needs a mobile tent. And we read in Exodus, the Lord said to Moses, My presence will go with you. They knew that. They saw that. They felt that. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, then don't send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth if you don't have your presence with us? What is our distinguishing mark? It's the presence of God. And Moses said, if you're not going to go with us, if we don't have your presence, we're just like everybody else. Wow. Moses is asking God and he's pleading with God and he says, listen, listen, please stay with us. Please stay with us. And God says, I will. And God gives him these instructions regarding an official tent of meeting with an official tent of meeting. So not to confuse you, but it's confusing. So Moses had this tent of meeting outside the camp. And God said, I want a tent of meeting, sometimes called the tabernacle, right smack dab in the middle of camp. So God gives them instructions about how this new mobile structure will be constructed. And God's presence is now, again, smack dab in the middle of the community. They didn't have to look at a distance outside at Moses in his tent of meeting. God's presence was right there. And so we read, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the tabernacle, sorry. And all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted, they would set out. If the cloud didn't lift, They stayed right there. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. Again, they always saw and felt and knew the presence of God. God's glory was constantly present. God's presence fills this new one so much that Moses can't even enter. Wow. Can you imagine if you show up on a Sunday morning and God's presence were to fill this building so much that we just had to stay outside? Wow. Now, stay with me. We're getting somewhere. We get to Solomon, and Solomon says, I don't want this mobile structure anymore. I think God needs a permanent dwelling. And so he spends years and years and years and lots and lots and lots and lots of money to build the temple, a permanent structure where God can dwell forever. 
So Solomon built this permanent structure, so massive, so expensive it took years to build, and God's presence filled that temple in the same way God's presence filled the tabernacle, in the same way God's presence filled Moses' tent of meeting. And sadly, God's people began to associate His presence with a structure, with a building. And they would make these long journeys into Jerusalem because we found God in a building, in a structure. And all of these structures, these buildings, started to pop up all over the land, these holy buildings, so that God's people could journey and find God in a building. Wow. Maybe that's why the Samaritan woman in John 4 said, Our, our fathers worshipped God over here on Mount Gerizim and... Your people worship God over here. And she's asking, I, I, just, I just want to know where to find God. Is He at this structure? Is He at this structure? Is He in this building? Is He in this building? And Jesus says, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father not on this mountain and not on this mountain and not in this building, not in that building. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. You don't need a building to worship God. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. God's people have always wanted to put God in a place. To put God in His place. To put God in a building to say, this is where He meets. 3003 North Main, as if this is His residence. Now you might be thinking... Okay, Richie, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? So I'm going to take you back to Isaiah 63, because as Isaiah remembers the days of old, notice what he says. In His love and mercy, He redeemed them, His people. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old, yet they rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit. None of those scriptures we read mention the Holy Spirit, but Isaiah, as he's looking back, then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them through the sea? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them? Isaiah says it was his Holy Spirit leading them out of Egypt. And it was his Holy Spirit leading them through the Red Sea. And it was Holy Spirit in the cloud, in the pillar of of cloud, in the pillar of fire who sent His glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters. They were given rest in the promised land by the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah looks back and says, The presence of God was always with you. Mm, Interesting. God has always been present with His people through His Spirit. God's presence has always been obvious. So then we get to the New Testament, and Jesus shows up. And John is giving this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven and remain on Him. I wouldn't have known Him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is He who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It's it's almost like he's thinking of when Moses said, what's going to distinguish us? And then the Spirit comes down and distinguishes Jesus and sets Jesus apart. The distinguishing mark of God's people is always God's presence. 
And the distinguishing mark of God's presence is His Spirit. And we've been gifted with His Spirit that we don't know what to do with. John says, I wouldn't have known Him had it not been for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit distinguished Him and set Him apart. Again, God descended in that cloud, pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, and God descended on the tent of meeting, and God descended in the tabernacle, and God descended in the temple, and now God descends on Jesus. God's no longer descending on a building. He's descending on a person. He's descending on His people. God now fills a person with His presence. And Jesus becomes the temple of God, because anywhere God's presence is, is a temple. In the same way that we're a temple. Do you not know that your body, your body is a temple of this gift called the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you've received from God. You're not your own, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. God's not descending on this building, God's descending on His people. Mm. Everything Jesus does from His baptism forward is distinguished by the Holy Spirit. Everywhere Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit goes. Just like Christ followers today. Everywhere you go, you're taking the Spirit with you, whether you like it or not. Because God always wants to be with His people. God has always wanted His people to know His presence. And Jesus becomes the temple on legs the temple in a human body and from now on when Jesus talks about the temple he's not talking about a building or a structure he's talking about his body and they don't get it so in John 2 Jesus answered them saying destroy this temple referring to his body destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days and they said what are you talking about it took us 46 years to build that structure And you're going to raise it in three days, but the temple He had spoken of was His body in the same way that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to Acts chapter 1. We briefly looked at Acts chapter 1. We've done a study of Acts. And it says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when God descends on you, when God's presence comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we get to Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost came and they were all together and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the presence of God. And I told you, I know when we read Acts 2, you may start getting a little edgy thinking... Richie, we're Church of Christ. We're not Pentecostal. We're not charismatic. What are you going to say? The Holy Spirit enabled them to do some things that they were not able to do. God's presence on them enabled them to do some things that they were not able to do. In the same way that we're gifted with the Spirit and we're able to live in a way that we couldn't live without the Spirit. Hmm. Again, God doesn't descend on a tent or a building. God descends on people. So, let's wrap up. Let me say a couple of things again. One, God has always wanted to be with His people. That sounds a little too vague. God has always wanted to be with you. With you. 
God has always wanted His people. God has always wanted you to know His presence, to feel His presence. And He does that through His Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit is the distinguishing mark of Christ followers. It's sad that we've neglected that last sentence for my entire life, maybe longer with many of you. Because we didn't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We didn't understand the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what distinguishes us from everybody else on this planet. Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when you're baptized and you go down into this liquid grave, you know what marks you? The Holy Spirit. You know what guarantee you get? The Holy Spirit. Again, this, this sign out here, 317, on 317, that's not what distinguishes us. Sorry. Not sorry. You might be thinking, well, we worship different than everybody else. That's not our distinguishing mark. You might be thinking, well, we believe different than all these other churches. Not our distinguishing mark. Our distinguishing mark is the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence. Moses, what will distinguish us from everybody else? You know what distinguishes from everybody else is this gift that sets us apart. Remember Acts 13, while the church at Antioch was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. He set apart His people. He set apart Jesus. He gives us the gift of His Spirit, and we are set apart. Set apart by the Holy Spirit. Again, this, this, this is not God's address. This is not God's residence. Paul said, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Do I think God's presence is here today? Absolutely. Do I think this is His residence, these walls, this building? Absolutely not. We've done an injustice to God to limit Him and to put Him in His place as far as we're concerned to say we need to go to church to visit God. And as He told the Samaritan woman, you can worship God any. You don't need a structure. You don't need a building. So again, do I believe in repentance? Absolutely. Do I believe in baptism? Absolutely. Do I believe in the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Do I understand that gift? We're getting there. We're getting there. But again, before we can get to the power of the Spirit, I just think we've needed to understand who the Spirit is and what God's Spirit, His presence has done for us. This gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to start talking about how the Spirit empowers us. That may make you a little nervous, apprehensive. But God doesn't give us His Spirit for no reason. Not for some reason. God gives us His Spirit for a reason. Let's pray.